Hello and welcome to episode 122 of the Parapod. You're here with your host Mark and Owen as per usual. Back to basics. Back to basics. Back, we're peeling back the layers. It's, we've gone back to the most fucking basic formula. Uh, Liam's not here today, unfortunately. Um, he'll be back, I'm sure. Soon. R.I.P. R.I.P. He's no longer with us in the most literal sense. And this is not a special double bill episode. We do, however, have a recommended film, which we'll be, we will be getting on to later in the uh, episode. Uh, Greener Grass from 2019, 18? 2018. 2018, which we were supposed to talk about last episode, but we were so in deep talking about nuclear war and feminism that we forgot to talk about him. Because I, I actually cut out the bit where we... I cut out all mentions of Greener Grass in that episode. <laughs> it's been scrubbed from history. Yeah, yeah, because we, we did intend on doing it. But by the time that we were going to get onto it, it was 12 o'clock. We were two hours in. And still had listener questions, listener questions to do. And uh, I don't think there was an easy way to fucking jump from nuclear war onto surreal suburban... Uh, Comedy. <laughs> yeah, there was no real, there was no, there's no springboard there. No. So we just abandoned ship. I was also fucking talking with the three mic setup is a fucking pain in the hole. Yeah, it, it really is. Um, there's no real way around it though. No, unless there, defi- there definitely is technologically I mean, a way around. Like uh, we could try out sometime just doing it all off the blue yeti, but yeah, but uh, yeah, actually no, that that is like a really obvious solution. Well, I don't know, because there's always going to be a little bit of an echo, so... We'd have to get really close to each other. Yeah, like, I'd have to sit there. We'd have to all touch knees and hold hands. Yeah, that sounds kind of maybe, cool. But maybe what happened is, th- this is going to be a very bad podcast material, but we could sit re- re- really, really close like this, and then the other person could sit across sit our across knees. Us, <laughs> and then we could observe. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um. Just have, them, have, the, have the guests sitting on our lap. <laughs> Um, it doesn't work if you talk into these, no? You kind of have to be di- directly yeah. into the directly microphone. Directly into the microphone. Yeah, directly into the microphone, because this is a this is a, a different kind of mic. I, c- I can't remember <laughs> what kind of mic this is called, but... That was two and a half years ago, I can't remember what the, the microphone The Blue called. Yeti is a condenser mic. I don't know what this is. It's the other kind of mic. Dynamic? Yeah, that's probably it. Yeah. Fucking dynamic. dynamic. Yeah, aerodynamic mic. Um, Something like that. Yeah, so Owen, you had a very busy week. I did. Very busy week. What happened? Tell us. Fill us in. Give us a few highlights. I went to the All Together Now Festival down in Waterford. Ooh. Uh, it's a great old festival. Yeah. Great old festival. Um, I think I've come to the realization that when I go to music festivals, I'm not really there for the music whatsoever. No, I, no. If someone's like, oh, like, X act is on, like, um, Iggy Pop was on, mm. I was like, ah, oh, fuck that. I'm going to on the bumper car, cars with mates. And I'm gonna go get food. And Iggy just, Pop was on, uh, and I was like, and you were like, nah, nah. <laughs> and I even kept saying, I was like, I want to go see Iggy Pop because like Iggy Pop's old, he's big. I'm never gonna go see him live in concert, like, because I just don't listen to him. Yeah. So yeah. if I'm ever gonna see Iggy Pop, right here, right now is the only time I'm gonna do it. Yeah. yeah. And I chose not to, <laughs> uh, just because I'm having fun with the mates. You know, I like sitting around the campsite. You know, uh, Kojak was on. I was like, nah, I want a nap. <laughs> I'm fucking bollocks. I'll go see Kojak another time. Yeah, that's the thing. You can just you can just it was do also that. Pissing rain when Kojak was on. So is that the Friday? No, he he announced. Uh, it was announced on Saturday for Sunday. It was like last minute, like lastminute.com. Ah. We got Kojak. He's going here tomorrow. Um, was there a lot of buzz? Yeah, people were buzzed. Like the crowd, it looked big. But I was yeah. like, nah, I'm fucking. 
bollocks tired i need a nap i had got up early to try and get a shower and was told when i was in the line for an hour that like the shower's about to close you're not gonna get a shower the shower's about to close yeah they close the shower and i was saying i get up early i got i queued up at 11 that is early man at a festival, at a festival on, yeah. on, on the Fucking, last day that is early yeah and it closes at 12 for four hours so I come back at four and Kojak was on from three to four and I was like, nah, I'm going to nap, I'm going to have a shower. That's yeah. more vital to me surviving the rest of this night yeah, than, yeah. Uh, than seeing another artist. Especially at a camping festival, you know? Yeah, man, I both love and hate camping festivals. Yeah, the, it's it's a... Because non-camping festivals are like big things in every other country in the world, mm. you know? Yeah, like we have Longitude. We have Longitude. Um, forbidden Fruit. Yeah, but they're like more like kids events. No. Yeah, they really are. That's because I've been to. I'd even been to Forbidden Fruit twice, I think, and it was just it was just it's more of like a day out. It's more like it's like going to Fantasia yeah. rather than like uh, when I went to, uh, going to Primavera. Totally different scene, like you know, yeah, totally different experience. Um, because I suppose uh, you're on ho- you're on holiday anyway, but like at the same time, it's like there's so much going on around. It's like all like all across the city. Mm. It's like Forbidden Fruit. It's like yeah, um, where's it Comanum or whatever. Yeah, Kermainham, yeah. Yeah, it's like, yeah, there's a few acts playing there. Uh, then that's it, you know. Yeah. Then you go back into town and just do exactly what you do every weekend. Yeah, just go on the lash. Yeah. Uh, and then back up the next day and all the way to Kermainham. And then go back to work. Yeah, I think I'm much more there for seeing people and having crack around the campsite yeah, definitely, than yeah. actually seeing acts. Um, just, I'm just kind of lazy. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm the same, I'm the same, yeah. you know. It's like, I, I don't I don't really care. Um. We went. We went to Primavera. You you went to the weekend after me. Mm. Weekend too. You had a way better lineup than I did. I didn't. Yeah. Really, I didn't really care though. To be honest, I didn't actually care that much. See, yeah, like uh, Primavera, I just stayed beside the main stage, so I didn't have yeah. to move around. I didn't see any other stage at Primavera except for the main stage. Uh huh. Like at least at um, uh, altogether now, like especially at night, just going around, going to different DJ sets and stuff like that. Yeah, I've converted to techno and like house music and shit like that now I think <laughs> over the course of like 72 hours yeah. you just changed personality it was the first the first night I was there and I was just like this is fucking lethal <laughs> <laughs> there might have been some assistance in that but you know <laughs> you had a religious experience yeah. an epiphany I had an epiphany say. you know I really I really um, rose to the occasion we came up for it <laughs> <laughs> that's good to hear good to hear um, yeah no it's, it's it looked really nice it looked really cool Except for the rain, I hate the rain. I hate Jeez, when it rains. Smell the rain was something else, you know, because it's just it's so tragic, you know, just the the, the timing of it. Because the, the the big complaint with EP last few years is is how it's kind of positioned, isn't it? Yeah. Like not 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 just the fact that it's like it's extremely expensive and it's extremely how much crowded. Is EP? Three hundred euro <laughs> for one ticket. It was two hundred twenty euro for, or was it even less for Primavera, which had a much better lineup, much better events and stuff. But um, yeah, it's like three hundred euro, and then like the crowd is very kind of you know it's not great. It's eighteens as well, whereas yeah. altogether now it's twenty ones. And man, that makes a difference. You, yeah, it makes uh, a difference. Yeah, yeah. Holy shit, it's it makes difference. a difference. Like there is a big variety of people there. Um, like I once <laughs> on the second night, oh god, about the second night, I turned around in the crowd and uh, there was a young fella and he must, he was definitely not that old. He was definitely not over 21. Uh-huh. And uh, he was like, do you want to show me vape? And I was like, yeah, go on. I was like, yeah, go on with him, whatever. And uh, like, that was perfect. That was a, that was a one-off that that happened yeah. where I saw someone and like, shout out to Connor. Connor, everyone else in the group hated Connor. 
because Connor was a bit of a melt. I fucking loved Connor because he. I thought he was fucking gas. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, like there was no one like that outside of that one occasion. Whereas EP is just that. Actually, I'll tell you what as well, man. Right, so. Went to like two, you know, raves uh, the first night and the second night. And then the third day, there was um, Max Richter, I think his name is. And um, he does loads of like um, soundtracks to films and shit like that. Did you watch The Last of Us? Yeah, I watched the first three episodes, yeah. You know the song that plays um, at the end of the third episode with uh, Bill and Frank and it's like this nice like piano music that's playing, like showing the montage of the life or whatever. Uh, yeah, I pretty know if I heard it. Yeah, that he 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 made that music. Oh, okay. So yeah. he was playing with the RTE Symphony Orchestra, and we all like a few of us around because we're like, oh, he might play, you know, music that we would know. Mm-hmm. No, he played orchestral music, and that was it. But at so two raves, and then the orchestra. Where do you think we saw someone collapse? At the orchestra. What were they doing? This girl collapsed twice. She just hit the... F- she was standing in front of us. She just hit the ground. She gets back up after a few minutes. Mates are found in her, like, hand her no water or whatever. She takes 15 steps and hits the deck again. And it was at the orchestra that I saw someone collapse. Not the three nights of raves across different uh, venues and shit like that. What time was this orchestra at? Four o'clock in the morning. No, at like in the day. Four p.m. Oh, that's she must have been on a heavy one. <laughs> she must fair play. Fair play. <laughs> Jesus. Fair play. Coming up at the Orti Orti mm. concert orchestra. Yeah. I love it. Um, yeah, respect, respect. Respect. Her. She went. She must have gone hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what day was this? It was on Sunday. On the Sunday. Oh, okay, yeah. Because the Friday, the Friday, that was kind of a washout, wasn't it? Oh yeah, Friday was just pissing rain. Mm, yeah. and the, like the rain was fine. I think everyone got over the rain because you can deal with the rain easily. You mm. just get into bed, dry yourself a little bit, get into bed, warm up. It's all good. Mm-hmm. Saturday morning, fuck that. Saturday morning also had wind. I opened up the tent. So Saturday morning to the fucking wind howling through the tent. And the first thing I see is a gazebo flying <laughs> through the sky. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. And it just crashes down like fucking 50 meters. From. I was like, fucking. And then I start, I, for one step, one step I get out. Like, stupidly enough, I was just wearing my socks. So I was trying to put on my Crocs. My foot oh. hits the ground and just sinks in. Uh. And it goes up to my ankles. I'm like, oh, that's so, that's that pair of socks gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, man. It's fucking, Jesus. The mud. Fucking hell. Mm. And like, at least with like EP, like that weekend where it's just lashing rain constantly. At least if it's lashing rain constantly, the mud will eventually wash off. Uh-huh. But like, like when it's sunny and it's just like flooded and mud, it's not going to wash off. I took a fucking Diet Coke foot bath to clean my feet because I my, I can see For, the face you're pulling. Uh, after stepping into the mud. Yeah, yeah I okay. went around to my Crocs Saturday morning because yeah. I had a pair of vans. I was like, I'm not putting them on and just walking around because it's a whole effort to try and get them on. Just walking around, Crocs, no socks, just walking around like that. Then afterwards, came back to the campsite, got a bin bag, opened it up. I had more cans of Coke than I had bottles of water so the logic was i'm just gonna use the, the cans of diet coke to fill this up a little bit and scrub my feet in that and then you know use a baby wipe dry them off and then 
put them in the pair of socks. That's an accurate one. Yeah, it was dirt. <laughs> it was dirt, but it, it worked. I survived. That's the main thing. <laughs> yeah, well, you might have trench foot, but he survived. I survived. <laughs> yeah, no, that's it's all part of the experience, though. Mm. You know, it sounds like a an enjoyable. Ex- was it was it as crowded as EP would be? Would you say? No, because I think EP is like over 100,000, isn't it? It's a it? lot bigger, yeah. Yeah, whereas all together now was 25,000. 25,000. It like, seems like fucking every, every single person I know was there. Oh, man, there was so many people. Yeah, everyone was there, yeah. The worst thing was in the first night was um, I went back to the camp twice when it was dark uh, by myself to try and find drink and stock up or whatever. Lost my tent both, to- both times. I was gone for... I, <laughs> I was gone, I, was, I think, over the, the one night... Like an hour spent trying to find the tent on like three different occasions because yeah. I just couldn't fucking find it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That happened to me as well multiple times when I went to EP last year, and it was always a disaster, you know. Because it was it was it was literally when it started lashing rain and I couldn't find the tent, and then it was yeah. just it was downhill from there basically. Yeah. <laughs> it was downhill from there, uh, but it's part of the experience. You walk around and it's like. The slow panic starts to fill in. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm by myself. Can't find the tent. Do I just give up and go back? In which case, I don't have any fucking drink. Yeah. Oh, man. Great crack, though, you know? Ah, good crack all the same. It's good, good, old, it's good to hear everyone had fun, you yeah. know? Everyone had clean fun. Clean fun. <laughs> despite the mud. <laughs> yeah, despite the mud, yeah. Despite the mud. We had Diet Clean, Coke. clean fun. Yep, perfect. Okay, right. Mark, what have you been watching this week? What have I been watching? Well, this week, I watched a little film called... JFK. JFK. Yeah, we're gonna the start. The man we're himself. Gonna, we're gonna start a little lone man called JFK. Uh, we're gonna start with this one uh, because it's a good place as good a place to start as any. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and also it kind of follows on from our special double bill episode, uh, JFK. Because I watched JFK because I'd watched Oppenheimer, and apparently uh, Oppenheimer uh, draws a lot on what uh, Oliver Stone did with JFK mm. so JFK follows a guy who was not JFK who was played by uh, Kevin Costner I can't remember the guy's name and honestly I'm not going to look it up the character's name uh, but he's played by Kevin Costner and it's kind of it. the whole film takes place in the aftermath of the assassination of JFK um, if we all remember that and <laughs> if you can call back <laughs> to that little event that happened let me take you back um, and it's all about, you know, like, discrepancies, what happened, the Warren Commission, uh, who was a patsy, who wasn't, Jack Ruby, Oswald, all the boys. And this guy, Kevin Costner's character, is just, like, bamboozled um, by the web, you know, the kind of, like, the nearly, like, horrific, or it's not horrific, it's more like, a, it's just a labyrinth of bureaucracy and, like, the layers behind everything, like, the way truth is concealed basically mm. and the, the the noble thing about this film is that it's like very well it's like very, it's quite controversial it's a good film it's three hours long but it's very controversial it's three hours long yeah yeah but like it's like it's more like a manifesto than it is like a it's like a, you know like a fucking imitation game like straight played mm. biopic because um, it's not a biopic at all it's about the investigation of JFK's assassination um, and there's no real obviously the film wouldn't be very interesting it was just like yeah Oswald did it you know so the film t- like starts on the premise that Oswald did not do it, mm. and that JFK was assassinated basically by a, a like a coalition between um, the mob and the FBI. 
Which is like realistically the most realistic. Yeah, the most, <laughs> that is like the most realistic thing that happens. Yeah, like realistically, that's probably what happened. Um, and like, there's a lot of stuff that points that way. And the film goes to great lengths to kind of explain it, and uh, the length of it, and the kind of the how convoluted and complex the whole thing is, and like, there's all these dead ends and like uh, things that don't, you know, kind of cross reference properly, um, and you just kind of you feel confused and a bit lost. But that's kind of the point of the film. Yeah, yeah. That's why it's so long, and that's why it's it's kind of done the way it is because it's it's like half a courtroom drama nearly. Mm. Even though it's not it's not even in a courtroom, but it's, it's him f- trying to you know picking up the breadcrumbs, trying to follow the 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 clues that he can find, and they all kind of because there's been so many diversions set up by the people that you know did it, um, that it's it's a it's a huge task, mm. um, and watching the film is also a huge task because you have to like pay attention, and it's really long. Um, and again, like similar to the way Oppenheimer is, it's not really, it's not about. Like I thought it was about JFK. I thought it was a biopic about JFK when I sat down. Yeah, to watch you just it. assume. Yeah, yeah, and like that, that's the title. Um, but like Oppenheimer, it's not about JFK at all. Like literally, obviously, in the fact that the main character isn't JFK, he doesn't actually appear in the film, except for when they show him getting his head blown off. Like they show like the full, uh, like the assassination. Clip. Yeah, yeah, the whole clip of his head blowing up. Um. Which I thought was just bizarre because I because yeah. I'd never seen that until I was like I don't know like like very late teens I didn't know that they they actually had the because yeah. they, they oh, always the unaltered version yeah because yeah, they always censor it on TV even though it's so iconic I don't know if this is one of the first films to to show it in like a, a public setting when that first aired like was that because obviously they've like the delay mm. now for when that sort of thing happens yeah did they have that back in the sixties. Um, or was I d- it just straight live? I don't think it was live. It was just a home movie. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so like it's this Zapruder film. So it's, it's literally just a guy who's stand, <coughs> who was standing on the hill near where Kennedy was. Um, and that's why it's, it's really low quality. Mm. Um, and he's standing on the, the hill where Kennedy was, just, just filming the present going by. And he just happened to capture this moment. And it's like, it's one of the most like, you know thoroughly analyzed pieces of media in history mm. just because of like it, there's like whole articles and papers written about specific frames yeah yeah um, and, like, who's what, the man on the grass you know? yeah and who's the man there's like a, some people see like a a guy like in a, a different setting like a, a different part of the the picture he's, he's wearing like a, a police badge and he seems to be holding a gun mm. I, don't, I don't see it myself but anyway, there's like it's it's so you're not gonna do you're not gonna get that shot with a fucking handgun, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, but the film kind of curved the bullet like I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's how they got him. Yeah, uh, the film kind of comes to the to the conclusion that there were like multiple gunmen, um, who all like kind of triangulated on Kennedy, uh, and basically says that Oswald could not possibly have uh, have killed Kennedy just based on like how. You know the physics of mm. how he could reload the shotgun that quickly, shoot far off. I think six bullets. Yeah, yeah. It happened over three seconds or something like that. Uh, three or four seconds. But apparently, it was impossible, basically. And it also goes into Oswald's whole uh, his background because he was uh, like the official story, which no one believes. Which is like even the people who like say Oswald did it is like this isn't really That's his, not his, true, yeah. his background story isn't relevant at all. Mm. His background story, as was set up, was he was a uh, he supported Castro and he was like a communist. Um, and he traveled to the Soviet Union and like lived there for a while. And it seems to be like the whole idea was to set him up as like uh, someone who'd gone over to the to the Russians, mm. defected, you know, politically. I was coming back um, as a double agent to take down Kennedy. 
but like no one actually thought like that's even in the history books like with the straight version as in terms of how the story is told that's not how it's ever portrayed like mm-hmm. oswald is just like at the being most generous to the official story oswald is just portrayed as like a lone gunman mm-hmm. like it wasn't the ussr it wasn't castro it wasn't cuban uh people like meddling in you know american affairs as revenge for the bay of pigs it was just it was just this lone guy who was crazy who happened to have this you know kind of weird kind of like obviously fabricated backstory um or clearly something was wrong with his backstory the film goes to great lengths about that to explain it and why it doesn't make any sense um and how suggesting that the u.s government had used uh communists or communism as basically a cover um for killing their own president uh, which, which is, they did for which they did for a lot of things that they did. Which yeah, they did that yeah, exactly. They, they did that all the time. <laughs> yeah, and Oppenheimer does the exact same thing. Yeah. The exact same thing. Uh, which is unusual for like a because Oppenheimer is unusual for a big film. And the, all the uh you know, all the main characters, everyone that's likable in the story is just like some kind of communist. Oh. You know? And they're obviously it's not central to their character or the story really. Um like their political beliefs specifically. Um and their substance, but it is, it the film, most of the film is about how they're kind of, how their political beliefs shape uh, their interaction with the government and, you know, the kind of, uh, the Leviathan that is like seizing down upon them. Mm. Um, and it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a really interesting film, but it's, it's extremely long. Mm. It's really, really intense in terms of like, it's not, in the same way you're watching Oppenheimer and you're kind of thinking about other stuff it's it's more like a like the film makes you think about things that aren't actually happening on the on, on the, the screen, screen. Yeah, yeah 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 uh like as a as a film itself just watching it it's it's like it's fairly straight it's played fairly straight aside yeah. from the fact that it's a mad conspiracy kind of thriller um but like that's Oliver Stone's thing as well he's yeah. he's kind of like cast aside from Hollywood as well because of how he um made the film so but i i thought it was pretty cool a lot of what you're saying cool. makes it kind of sound like um like kind of similar to Zodiac, in certain ways. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's like about the process, and uh, kind of uh, an interrogation of how truth is made, mm. you know, um, and how the narrative is controlled, uh, like the layers uh, behind stuff like it's conspiracy, not like you know, obviously the Illuminati sense, but kind of breaking it down to the most basic kind of mundane level that mm-hmm. it could possibly exist that um in literally just like um a series of archives where a page is missing or like things are redacted or things don't add up things don't make sense this person is related to this person who is somehow you know in charge of this department and this ministry yeah which yeah. is connected to like you know a company which sold bananas to guatemala back yeah, in 1928 yeah. you know all that stuff which is really dense yeah that's a rabbit hole it's a rabbit hole it's a serious rabbit hole um i watched it about a week ago uh it hasn't stuck with me you know because jfk the jfk assassination is such like, a huge it's like the most it's like the fucking the, the most basic conspiracy that like everyone believes yeah you know? what do you think is most okay so jfk assassination 9-11 i would say is another like 9-11 is a big one yeah another yeah. big one um the moon landing the moon landing, yeah, I don't. Well, really I think the moon landing is like they did it. Like, they, I feel like they definitely did the moon. Landing. Yeah, like yeah. that's not one that I like. I don't really buy into a lot of the mm. the reasons why it's fake or whatever. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, like at least with like 
I still think that 9-11 happened, but it's still like... Uh, no, there's a lot of weird shit around 9-11, you know? A lot of stuff that like makes me at least question. <laughs> oh, absolutely, yeah. There is loads of shit. Um, More so just because of the political outcomes that came afterwards. Like, hmm. Exactly, Interesting yeah. how that happened. <laughs> yeah, like, they're just basic stuff like, oh, yeah, they attacked us, so let's invade Afghanistan. It's like, why, why did they invade Afghanistan? Because Al- Al-Qaeda were there. It's like... Why were they there? But the people they did were Iraqi. It, who, who were, yeah, why did we invade Iraq then? And it's like, everyone's just, eh, whatever. You know? Don't the, question. Yeah, yeah, they're kind of compartmentalized, which is the same, it's kind of the thing that JFK gets into. Because mm. when you think about conspiracies, you think about, oh, JFK was killed by, you know, X, and uh, that's it. Like, it's kind of, it's cons- it's, it's, it's fully... Con- uh, con- concise. Yeah, it's fully compartmentalized into that one event, and then... It's just, you know, like, time moves on till the next conspiracy, which mm. is also condensed into that one event. Um, and in, in JFK, they go on to go into, like, the, the interest of the mob, how the mob would have wanted to get rid of JFK, why they would have wanted to get rid of him, why the FBI would work with the mob, um, how they still work together, how they have, you know, uh, common interests. Stuff like, like, they go into it, like, you know, Sicario, mm. how the CIA work with cartels and stuff like that. Yeah. Which is also, like, open knowledge that yeah. has happened at least before in the past um, even um fucking ozark gets into that as well towards the end yeah like yeah. how the fbi and cia work with the bad guys the bad guys yeah yeah and 9 11 is the same thing you know yeah it's like it's not just one event but obviously there's like it's a the, the further you get out it's like if you start thinking about the fucking orbiting events around it you start probably losing your mind yeah and then you start thinking the moon landing was fake yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the world is flat <laughs> yeah yeah stuff like that just uh, but it's like nearly by design is the suggestion of jfk yeah you know what's your yeah what are our, like big conspiracy theories aliens roswell yeah aliens I but think, like, i think that's bollocks though yeah i think aliens is just too is just too much bollocks around it <laughs> like, yeah yeah it's suspicious. Yeah. It's suspicious. It it's smells. Just, a lot of it is just like... more. I think the ones that like have a lot more credibility are the ones that have a lot of bureaucracy behind it. Yeah. Because yeah, that's yeah. how you can follow the paper trail and stuff like that. Mm. And, you know, it's that sort of stuff. Especially when you get, like, especially when you get into like FBI and CIA sort of stuff. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. where like it's like, hmm. Yeah, it's like, it's like uh, fronts within fronts within fronts yeah. within fronts, you know. Yeah, and they, they openly admit to like some of the fronts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Openly yeah. admit to it. That's, that's the thing. That's the, so you, you you can't really believe anything. And then the fact the things that that we know are true, like MK Ultra type of stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like if that's true, then fucking who knows what else is true. Even the same, like even here in Ireland with the the MI5 and you know the security forces in the UK working with uh, UVF, UDA, all those boys. Mm. The fact that they only, they could only the you, all those loyalist gangs were incapable of actually carrying out any kind of complex attack, mm. um, unless they were, you know, it's not like definitively proven, but they were obviously working with yeah. So by extension, the British security forces basically carried out those attacks. Yeah, and that's a fact that that happened. Mm. But you know, if you start thinking about that and extending it into the present, then everything becomes everything's up in the air. You know, yeah. And then yeah. you start thinking. Oh, like the fucking seven seven attacks were also fake. This was fake. You know, ISIS is fake. Obama created ISIS. So, I don't know. It's just it's a rabbit hole. Yeah, it's it a, is. It's a dark rabbit hole. But there is truth somewhere down beneath. That yeah, that's the that's the 
That's the, the, that's the maddening part. That is the, the yeah. That is literally the maddening part about it is that there is there are certain things that are facts, and there are certain things that can look like facts, mm. and it's hard it's hard to distinguish those two things. Yeah, especially um, when you don't control, um, or the fact that there are there are people out there who who try to control what facts are, you know, mm. um, and that obviously we don't have that power really. Um, they're trying to manufacture consent. Exactly. You know. You know. You can go around this. Yeah, all like it's day. a fucking like yeah, it's a huge old rabbit hole that like you can see why people get sucked into. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like it's super fucking easy to do. Mm-hmm. You know, even just through looking at Wikipedia pages, you don't have to go any further than Wikipedia pages. Uh, yeah. You get honestly. sucked right in. Honestly, yeah. Yeah, mad old stuff. Going on from um, having watched things because of Oppenheimer, mm-hmm. I watched uh, Grave of the Fireflies. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, because I think we mentioned it last week. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, we talked about it last week, but I'd seen Grave of the Fireflies before, but I could not remember much about it because I watched it like when I was getting into like anime films and stuff like that. And uh, I think the first time I watched Grave of the Fireflies was like. Yeah, it's good. Um, this time around watching, I was like, oh, "Wow, that's a fucking grim out film." Yeah. Um, an interesting way that I watched it, and uh, you're gonna laugh at how I watched this film. Um, I watched this with my head through my viewer headset. <laughs> oh my god, man! What? Why? Because I was like, I was sitting. You wanted to be there. Um, yeah. I wanted to feel the blast. I wanted to feel the heat. Um, <laughs> No, because I was just like, I was like, I was like, oh, I want to watch a film through my VR headset. And I was like, what will I watch? And for some reason, <laughs> why would you choose that? For some reason, I was like, I'm going to watch. This is the first ever film you watched in VR. Yes. Um, now, right. One thing, like, one thing that I've discovered as the benefits of watching films through your VR headset is there are no distractions. Mm. Like, at all you can't look at your phone you yeah. can't you can't rub your eye or anything like you can only see the film in front of you so it's a very absorbing way to watch a film and i think that this film benefited from that a lot because it's a film that like is kind of bookended by horrific events mm. um so this so just <laughs> A little bit of backstory to the film. This film was a double feature, or at least like came out on the same day as um, My Neighbor Totoro, which mm. is another like really oh, big. Yeah, yeah. Oh. It's like the Ghibli film. Like mm. if you ever see a Studio With the big Ghibli cat film, guy. yeah, like he's literally. If you're ever watching a Studio Ghibli film and you see a little cute cat figure guy that pops up uh, behind the Ghibli sign, uh, that's Totoro. Um, very iconic film. Great film. Also a film about death. Um, and we're dealing with uh, with death. So I think that the thought was, oh, we'll do two films that are about death. Um, My Neighbor Totoro does it in a lot more like childlike and friendly way where like the death is kind of in the background mm-hmm. and like you kind of have to read into it a little bit in order to, you know, view it as that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grave of the Fireflies, death is at the forefront of the film. Um, they even said, like, the director said, like, I didn't mean to make an anti-war film. Uh, I was just trying to make a kid's film about death. And, um, like, buddy, you fucking failed massively. <laughs> Why would he make a, a, f- a kid's film about 
an atomic bomb. It's not about atomic bomb. There's no atomic bombs in Grave of the Fireflies. I thought it was about Hiroshima, though. No, it's not. It's about the fire bombings. Ah. It's about um, um, a young boy and a young girl who live in uh, some Japanese uh, small village and they get firebombed and the village gets burnt to the ground. Mm. Um, and their dad is off at war fighting with the Navy and um, their mom... At the start of the film, they're like in the village and the sirens go off and the young boy's like packing stuff underground so that you can come back and get supplies. And uh, he grabs his sister and they fucking like it. And then they find out that their mom is in the local, in the school because mm-hmm. the school wasn't burnt down and it's being used as a, um, a mini hospital. And uh, this is where I'm like, how did you think this film was for kids? Because they show the mom. Mm. The mom is horrifically burnt mm. like completely burnt like like and they show like bits of her skin and it's just oh it's a real disturbing image and it's like how did you think this is for kids like why is this a double feature with my neighbor totoro um and so from that point on um they go off to stay with their auntie who lives somewhere else and um yeah, the kids don't do good. Uh, the film starts the very f- start of the film mm. is the uh, is the older boy dying of starvation in a a train station, and then they they pick up his his body or whatever, and they're gonna just like toss it onto the back of a truck because there's people just dying of starvation everywhere, and uh, the little girl isn't there, but they pick up a little can and they toss it out into a field and. It, Opens up and bones, bone fragments fall out of it. And then the ghost of the little girl appears. Oh God. And uh, her brother is there. And then they go back and walk back through time to show you what happened to them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the idea of the director was, I'm going to show you that the, that the kids are dead at the start of the film. So the impact of the deaths isn't as impactful later on. Uh-huh. It just makes the entire film more tragic. Yeah, yeah. Is that not be yeah? Have the reverse effect. No? It, all it does to do is making everything much more sadder because you know what the outcome is. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, seeing a little girl die of starvation, it's not. It doesn't make it any easier knowing that she's hardly that she dies at the start of the film. It doesn't yeah. make it any fucking easier. Um, so they're at the the auntie's house and uh, the auntie is a fucking arsehole. As who arsehole to them, like being like, use are a bunch of fucking mooches. By the way, the mom, this auntie knows that the mom is dead, and yeah. their dad is off at war, and they've got no other support system. And it's like you're a bunch of mooches. Like you, older boy, you should be off fighting in the war. He's like fifteen or something. Um, and then they go off. They then leave the house and they go live in a cave. And it is a film basically about how during war the most vulnerable will be forgotten mm. and like there will be no support systems in place and just how war can like is horrible for like soldiers and stuff like that but like also the impact that it has at people that are like nowhere near the fighting mm-hmm. and <clears throat> yeah it's a grim out film it's very upsetting um and it's just it is just a film about like the impacts of war, which is kind of like, how did you not, like, 
this is an anti-war film. Like, yeah. there's so much war imagery in the film. Like, there's plane, American planes going over. You see the awful burnings and, like, the cries of people as they run out of the villages. You see women holding babies while the houses and stuff are on fire around them. Uh, like, I just don't understand how you didn't think you made an anti-war film when you made this film, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a... Uh, yeah, it's a very it's a it's a it's a really good film. Really good film. Like an hour of this film is just these two kids hanging out, having fun, playing, um, you know, making the best out of a awful situation and then just the end of it being how the awful situation will just consume them and that there's no mm. there's no way out. Um Yeah. And you uh, watched it in VR. I watched this film in VR. <laughs> it was actually kind of bad at the end because there was tears in my eyes. I was like, shit, I can't cry in the VR uh, headset. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't get tears tears in the fucking lenses. Yeah, um, but it's one of the saddest films d- Yeah, around. it is one of the saddest films around. It's like, it hits hard because especially like, it does such a great job of establishing the two main characters mm. and like, the little girl, she's so lovely and so playful and joyful and like, you know, she's crying and stuff, like crying for her mom because she doesn't realize that her mom is dead for like quite a while. Um, the pressure on the older boy as he's trying to like keep his daughter, keep his daughter, keep his little sister away from the horrors of war, trying to keep her distracted, uh, trying to keep her fed, mm. um, trying to you know make sure that she doesn't have any diseases or anything like that, um, and you know. Uh, trying to deal with dysentery and stuff like that that comes into it Jesus. Um, like it's fucked. I was like kids man. I know yeah. <laughs> I, I don't what? know Japan back in the 80s was a different time I guess Japan, yeah they're a weird bunch they um, yeah and like just like like there's moments in the film where like the older brother just like cracks of the pressure mm. and then the like he has to like towards the end of the film like they're starving so much that the you know the fire bombings are going off and he's running into the village to loot the houses quickly because no one's there because they've gone to the shelters yeah. but that's the one time that he can get in and try and get supplies for them uh-huh. and like stealing stuff to then go to pawn shops and then pawn it back to the people essentially um and he gets caught doing that and then the like the farmer takes no sympathy on him, beats the fucking shit out of him, mm. and the police understand and are like, you know, the f- the vague forms of the state are like, like we understand where you're doing this. Don't really fair worry about enough, it. We're fair. fair enough. Like you're 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 struggling. Uh-huh. You can't do anything about this. Um, you're like 15 <laughs> trying to take care of someone. Um, yeah, very very upsetting film. That's fucking heavy. Yeah. yeah. Oh god. Like that is heavy. It was halfway through the because I I paused halfway through to like, you know take a break because fucking swam the viewer headset on. <laughs> and uh, I was just reading the Wikipedia page all this stuff and I was like I don't understand how how you thought that this is like a kids film uh-huh. it, like alone the image of the man burnt how you thought yeah, that's yeah. like I seen that there it's yeah it's just like it's just like unnecessarily graphic for a kids film but you, like that's the first time you see her, you see her later on and they're like moving our body and there's fucking worms coming out of her out of the bandages and stuff like that like yeah. what the fuck uh, uh, um yeah great film fucking amazing film um but definitely not one to watch with 
young young ones. <laughs> yeah, or get them in early. It's like war is bad, you know. Watch this. Yeah, well, but this this is what happened. <laughs> this, and then you knock on Oppenheimer after. It's like this is that's what that's the effects of war. This is the effects of what we're living with now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that is yeah. VR film though, mm. I love that. Very immersive way to watch films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I say it is the VR set. Is, I, I tried it on there last week as well. Wow, very immersive. Very, yeah, very immersive. Yeah, it's, it's proper works. Proper you know? works. Actual, actual works. And I was watching with like earphones on and stuff like that, so like couldn't oh. hear anything around me when I was sitting in my bed watching the film. Even on the app, you can. I started lying down. You, there's a thing on the on the settings where you can set it so that you're lying down. So like if you're facing upwards oh wait so you watch it on the ceiling yeah you can watch it on the, sc- on the ceiling now I was what? watching it with like pillows in my head so it was at like a slight angle but uh-huh. the way that the the headset was set up was as if I'm sitting up straight watching a movie very comfortable way of watching films and what's the uh, what's the resolution like decent like not yeah, bad at all it's good like it, especially can you see anything behind it no you can't see nothing can't see anything can't see anything behind it that's cool Um, that's why I went with an anime film because like resolution doesn't matter so much yeah like it's okay if there's like a little bit of fuzz because it's animated and mm-hmm. um, i don't know if that would really work with a live action film yeah yeah well there's not many you know unless you're watching fucking Oppenheimer or whatever you know? yeah it's like, it doesn't really matter anyway. listen i'll watch uh come and see again in viewer and i'll <laughs> tell you how we get on <laughs> I'll only watch this, like, the most disturbing <laughs> fucked up films in VR. Yeah, just a shower. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sitting there for eight hours. <laughs> I got an IV drip in until it has to keep me there. <laughs> got a fucking bag besides. Yeah. <laughs> no breaks. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that's... that's. I don't know. I, don't, that I, I can't express. It's just watching that in VR is just so... It's I don't want to say cool, but it's just like... It's a neat way of watching it's it. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's it's just, it's new. It's very new. Very new. Yeah. I don't think that's the way that the the Japanese people would have wanted me to watch this film. But <laughs> anywho. Yeah. On an American uh, An American headset. headset. <laughs> oh my God, what happened? Yeah, maybe maybe if I was doing it on a, on a Sony headset, they'd be more forgiving. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing, yeah. Um, but the thing as well, like it's not, there's no mention of... America in the film. Yeah, it's not about the, it's the not, bomb. So. It's and like it's not about like it is about the war, but it's not about like the war. It's about war, like as in a, general. In general, it doesn't really matter mm. who the who the enemies are. Oh, they can't really make a film. Oh, we were so treated so badly in the yeah. war. It's like what? Yeah. <laughs> we should watch a film about the massacre of Nanking. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they still pretend that didn't happen. Yeah. Right? It's a movie they could make a movie about it. Oh, I'm sure there's. I'm sure this films. I don't want to watch that. But I'm sure yeah, there's films about that. I don't want to watch that. Either. Um, yeah, because you don't even you don't even see like you see the the planes like there's a real cool shot of like the plane from like above mm-hmm. just flying over the village. That is it. That is the only time. And there's no like American flag or anything on the plane. You don't see the pilots. You don't see nothing like that. Mm. It's just the one shot of the plane, and that's it. You never see the planes again. You can hear them, but you never see them. Yeah. 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 That's real, um, yeah. Very contained. Very contained. It's weird because like the middle part of the film is just like a, it's just a standard like kids film just outside of the, some of the um, rashes that they have. Yeah. Um, which is, yeah, like, ugh. but um, outside of that, like, outside of the stuff that has to do with war, 
the kids hanging out and stuff like that, the way that they're interacting with their auntie and playing and like you know, all that type of stuff is very like standard Ghibli stuff. Mm-hmm. It just so happens to be bookended by horrific war scenes <laughs> <laughs> and children dying of starvation and ghosts walking around looking at like stuff and like the ghosts looking at certain decisions that they made but like oh shouldn't have done that should have done something else yeah i regret what i did there because it led on to this whatever uh-huh. um yeah strangely enough like again knowing that the characters died at the end of the film doesn't lessen the tragedy of everything no i think it'd just be a really cool device to make it even sadder mm. you know i think i'm trying to think of other films especially like the whole idea of them looking back and being like oh no i shouldn't have done that mm. Like, that's so sad. Yeah, you know, it's like, you know, the, the, you know, really off, massive tangent, but like in in Interstellar, like the most mm. impactful scene is when he's like interacting with the yeah. past, with, like, yeah, and, like, yeah, really, yeah, you know, obviously devastated yeah. about it. And like it's like it's like, oh, you know, it's a proper representation. Of, oh yeah, everyone thinks that way. It's a, a really interesting device. Yeah, to uh, to make. A sad film even sadder yeah you know? shockingly regret is a very uh yeah, yeah. uh what's what i'm looking for uh very easy to uh, empathize with yeah very powerful emotion yeah very easy to connect with the character that is looking back in the past and experiencing regret yeah, yeah. shockingly <laughs> <laughs> i'm trying to think of other films where you know the outcome of the film at the start like the film tells you what about it memento yeah, because <laughs> like even like like biopics don't count. Like I wouldn't say that like Oppenheimer <laughs> is like what <laughs> man you won't believe what happened at the end. They actually dropped him. <laughs> um, yeah, I can't think of other films like that. It's a cool. I guess it kind of only works for tragedies. Um, yeah. If you, if you start the film, you're like these characters are gonna be just fine. Yeah, don't worry about it. It's like, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I can't think of any. Like prequels don't work in that sense. No, well, the kind of well, some the, prequels. The Star Wars prequels kind of work. Mm. That's what makes it interesting. The fact yeah. you already know what's going to happen. Actually, that's true. Actually, actually knowing it actually works with, uh, to its advantage that yeah. you know what's happening. Yeah, that's actually Anakin. true. Yeah, yeah, that's that's actually that's that's a good that's a good example. The tragedy of Anakin is made worse when you know what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so my voice is still kind of. Still recovering from all together now. A bit hoarse. Ignore that voice right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Speaking of films where the director disagrees um or basically misinterprets the, the film that he's he's made himself. I think it's mental that directors do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I feel like they they're kind of having us on a lot of the time, but sometimes I feel like they would they actually just have their own way of looking at it, you know. What was that Spanish one that you talked about last year? Um. Yeah, I know. I know the one you're talking about. Where the there's like a revolution happening and the poor people. Yeah, it was killed like, the rich people. It was like accidentally really racist. Oh, it's really racist. Yeah, yeah. It's like all the rich, um, white Mexicans get attacked by the dirty, less white Mexicans, mm. and it's kind of portrayed as being like this, as like a horror film, and <laughs> they're like the zombies. It's mad. You know. It's a really good. Fi- it's a good film, though. I can't remember what that was called. I can't remember what it's called either. But it was. It was a good movie. But uh, Southern Comfort is similar in the sense that it's a Vietnam film that's not set in Vietnam, but it's very clearly about Vietnam. Mm. But the director insists it has nothing to do with Vietnam. 
but it's it's a Vietnam film. Yeah, it's, it's like Aliens. That sounds like it's not about Vietnam. <laughs> oh, it's even more egregious. Yeah. Like it's even more egregious because it's about it's about this uh, this troop of National Guards in Louisiana, in America, and uh, it's like in the eighties. This film's from nineteen eighty one. I don't know. I can't remember who directed it. Some guy um, it has Fred Ward. You know Fred Ward. This guy's no. from Tremors. Um, have you seen Tremors? I have, yeah. Yeah, Tremors. You know the. Is it the gun token one? He's the he's the guy who's not Kevin Bacon. Oh Tremors. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Keith Carradine, um, you know of the Carradine Carradine family, and then a few other guys. They're all very good in the film. And uh, it's a, yeah, it's about this troop of National Guards in Louisiana who, on a kind of a, I don't know, it's like an exercise they're doing because like they're not military but they're National Guards, mm. but they're dressed in military garb, obviously. Um, and they're going around, and they, they have they have guns and stuff, but they they all have blanks. They don't have, actually have any bullets. They're just oh, like Tropic Thunder. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, it's kind of it's a mix between Tropic Thunder and Apocalypse Now. You know, um, and they're going around, and they, it's just an exercise for in case of like you know something crazy happening, because the National Guard was kind of quite active in America back then. Yeah, not so much now, but they would get. For we're example, gonna, we're gonna call in the National Guard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If there was a strike, if the students were causing, you know, if there's a civil rights march, if the students were causing trouble, it's talked about in the film. They'd send the National Guard. National Guard would like beat them down, and um, without any uh, consequences, basically. No questions asked. No questions asked, and they're all just kind of amateurs and stuff. It's like the you know the territorial army in the UK. Yeah. You know, it's all the fucking losers. We've nothing else to do. <laughs> <laughs> so on the weekend, they become the weekend warriors. You know, so they all have jobs during the weekend. They do this for in their spare time. Uh, and they go out into the... It's in, in Louisiana, so it's set in the bayou. Uh, they go out into the bayou and they're doing this, uh, this uh, you know, exercise. And uh, they need to get down the river and they have no way of getting down. I can't remember why. They can't get down the river for some reason. They find these boats kind of abandoned by the, the riverside. Um, and they're like kind of traditionally made Cajun boats. Mm. So I thought Cajuns were like Mexicans or like Indians or like some kind of combination of the two. No, I thought the Cajun was like, um, like Caribbean. No, 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 no. Yeah, I had no idea. Cajuns are actually like a French ethnocultural, like, um, community. Did not know that in like Southern America. Like, I know it's South America. It's like not South- Southern America. Yeah, yeah. So, like, but I, I thought they were like, oh, it's French. Weird. Yeah, they're French. Yeah, I had no idea. I thought Cajuns. I just think like Cajun spices and stuff. I just That's think, what I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just think. You know, they're probably, like, Mexican or some kind of, like, you know, Latin group. Mm-hmm. I suppose they are Latin, because uh, they're French. But, yeah, it's, like, this French kind of group that was uh, expelled from Acadia, which is, like, um, Nova Scotia in Canada. Expelled with the British, and they were forced to move down to the uh, American South. And they're kind of based around the, the Bayou areas. And there's, there's it's a, they're pretty big as well. There's, like, two million of them. Um, and so, yeah, they're, they're trapped in this situation where they need to use these boats which have been abandoned by like the local cajun trappers and like uh, hunters and stuff um, uh so they ha- need to use these boats and so they just hop in the boats and leave a note saying explain the situation be like we'll we'll bring them back we we'll just need them. Out. yeah, yeah we, we just need them for uh for a land and uh, they're they're going downstream uh and they end up seeing the, the they come across the the trappers the hunters the, the, the cajuns and uh, they're going after them they're like what the fuck you stole our boats um, but they're just yelling at them. They can't really speak English. They speak French. Mad. I'm looking at Cajun people now. Weird. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, I had no idea. Um, shows what I know. Yeah. And um, so one of the National Guardsmen, you know, obviously being a National Guard, he's just some guy. Um, 
he just he, he's like, oh, let's fucking wind them up. And so he starts shooting the blanks at the the trappers, um, and the trappers respond by shooting back live rounds, and they kill the troop commander, and he so he's dead on the fucking boat, and they have to pull in. Uh, they're at this point they're basically trapped in the bayou, surrounded on all sides by um, Cajun hunters and like wild men, basically. Mm. Not like wild, wild men, but people who know the land. Yeah, yeah. And people who basically, um, it's kind of like a hillbilly kind of thing. Yeah. Like hill people who do not have, or, or have very limited contact with the outside world, have basically no respect for who these people are. Yeah. They don't care who the National Guard are. Like this is their land. They don't even really recognize the whole idea of the US. Mm-hmm. Really. Yeah. Um. And from that point, it's just, it's like a, it's a kind of a da film, you know. Yeah, it sounds it. It's a, it sounds <laughs> it. It's a survivalist film where you have about six characters, and one by one, they're all kind of taken out, um, either by themselves. The it elements. Sounds like Deliverance. Yeah, yeah, it has. It really has a vibe for most of the film. Um, so like one of them gets killed in a trap, one of them gets stabbed by the other, one of them um gets lost, one of them falls into quicksand, um. The entire time they're just trying to find a way to get back to civilization, find any kind of road out of the bayou, out, out of the the woods, uh, and they can't find it because they're all kind of hapless idiots, um, and they're trapped. They're thrown into the situation where they're in basically a jungle, and they're clueless kids basically, yeah, who don't know what's happening or can't and can't really see who's attacking them mm. because they don't know the land and their hunters do. It's it's a Vietnam film, yeah, at that point entirely and uh, yeah so basically uh, after a while that that, that that part of the film is, is it's a good film it, it's 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 a good dad film you know yeah it, it's done very well um, dad core yeah proper dad core vietnam you know shit's gone wrong back against the wall two big macho characters one's really silent he's got a mysterious past the other's really amiable he's really He's you know he's a ladies' man, you know. They don't like each other at first, but they become they realize that they're, they're the most competent soldiers, the most Damn. the most mentally uh, stable soldiers. They work together and they find their way out of the world the wilderness. Um and then the last half an hour of the film uh begins. Ali up until that point, like the film the film is perfectly fine. It's mm-hmm. like it's like it's like a six, seven out of ten. Yeah. If you have it on the background, there's nothing wrong with it. Um it's it's good, it's kind of psychological thriller uh, material uh, but the last half an hour is really interesting it's it's, it's the, the ending is actually the best part of the film damn i thought you were gonna go with the opposite like the ending shits the bed no 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 like, if the ending shit the bed i'd be like, like it just it just kind of ruined the film I'd be like ah oh, it's, it's not great but the ending is actually the most interesting part of the film because mm. it, it turns from being just this vietnam kind of rip off the story that's been told a million times before um into it's kind of like a folk horror situation, you know. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So basically, um, the entire time they've been, most of the time they've been trapped in the bayou. They've had a hostage, a prisoner of war, basically. This Cajun hermit who mm-hmm. they found in the middle of the woods, who uh, is missing an arm and he only speaks French. Um, and the the silent, the strong silent guy, um, ends up killing one of the other national guardsmen defending. Uh, this hermit mm. because the hermit's being tortured or whatever uh, for information which he clearly doesn't have um, and the hermit escapes into the woods um, you know fast forward through three four more uh, deaths deaths on the part of the National Guardsmen the hermit returns he shows up again um, 
when all hope is lost basically for the last two last two guys standing uh and he's like you you know go go this way go this way he, like it turns out he can speak perfect english and he's he's like he's like training a gun at them and he's like you go down this direction you take take a left here you follow the river and stick to the railroad tracks um, and you'll find the town if or you find a road which will lead into a town uh, it's, it's the obviously the invocation is the hermit is thankful to this strong silent guy mm -hmm. for for saving his life basically uh, so they go they follow this road uh the car comes up like a truck and there's two um this is this lovely cajun couple with like two pigs in the back and um, who are going back into their local town um to bring home you know the feast for the evening and they hop onto the the truck hoping that there's like a telephone in the town they get into the town there's no telephone mm. it's just it's just this like it's kind of like it's similar to like the wicker man nearly yeah when you soon as said like bringing back feed yeah, yeah 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 so these two pigs that are just trapped in cages and then the two guys hop onto the truck and they're like oh thank fuck and they get back into the town and it's like this it's this really jovial community space where everyone's happy and dancing there's music constantly playing like this really weird kind of folk music mm -hmm. similar to what you'd see in the wicker man um and they're very they're like the 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 main guy who's more like the playboy kind of character he's obviously just like yeah whatever like we'll stick around here for a bit um and then pick up a few babes yeah pick up a few babes you know kind of uh, leave our mark on the place and then the first ride out of here will go to the nearest town with the telephone and call in the call in the big guns you know get ourselves out of here but the the silent guy he's like there's something off here it's like we're, we're he's like we were basically cornered mm. if something were to happen because he knows that the trappers are part of the same community mm -hmm. and that they could be back at any moment um and of course they do come back um but we're not sure because we've never actually seen Mm, you don't know who's a trap yeah who's a yeah because they're just they're kind of shapes mm. while they're moving around in the bayou so you actually get a look at a proper look at their faces or who they are their shapes or like their their build or anything like that um and the silent guy notices that they're building a gallows like while there's like this big dance hall uh full of people and the playboys they're dancing away with some fair maiden who's who's uh seduced him the silent guy knows they're building a gallows and uh nooses mm. two of them in like the town square it's just it's just like a, it was a really weird <coughs> like diversion from where the film had been before yeah whereas it, like it's not just kind it's of a weird uh, mishmash of a bunch of different films and genres yeah because yeah, it's not it's not something I, I would really comment on like a film that i would comment on that much because it got to like an hour in because it's only an hour and a half it got to an hour in i was like this like it's a good film but i was like i kind of Maybe you should have watched something else because it's not a lot to talk about. Mm. But then it just it just go it turns into like a different film that is and there's way more kind of there's obviously there's there's much more horror, more of a horror element once you get to that last act. Yeah. As opposed to when they're trapped in the bayou, which is in itself is obviously kind of a you know a horrifying situation. But it's you know it's been done. Mm -hmm. But then it's like counterintuitively once they're surrounded by this crowd of people. Um, and they're you know at safety you know they're washing up you know they're getting fed they're drinking beer it's when they're in the most dangerous yeah 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 and it had that kind of that same kind of feeling of something being terribly wrong yeah even though everyone's smiling and laughing and playing music um that just it, it, it hit different yeah it that hit sounds different. interesting and i was like oh shit like this is actually this is actually it, it, it made the film worth commenting on mm. basically yeah um 
because it showed some understanding of that. I don't know what that last part has to do with Vietnam. That's pretty what the director's talking about. Yeah. Um, but the first the first hour... He's just like, I just made a film about how awful Cajun people are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Basically, yeah. They don't come out looking very good from this film. Um, but yeah, no, it's... it's it's Because I, I don't remember any other film where the ending actually, like, saves... Yeah, normally saves it from fuck being, up in the end. Yeah, yeah, it kind of saves it from being... It doesn't save it from being a bad film, but it saves it from being, like, a, a film that's that's kind of not worth looking at again. Yeah. Um, a dad core film. Yes, it's it's it, it transcends from being a dad core film into a... Uh, this is kind of interesting kind of mm. territory, you know? Uh, but I thought, I thought it was good. It's called uh, Southern Comfort. It's on YouTube. It's, it's free to watch. Interesting. An hour and a half, you know? Um, I think dads... All dads out there would love it. Uh, just because... It's a good film, and it's yeah. dad core for at least an hour going into it. Um, and it's also worth a watch if you ever if you ever have nothing to watch, stick it on. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. That sounds like something I might want to watch. Yeah, yeah, stick it on. Watch it with my dad. <laughs> yeah, stick it on. Let's go. Yeah. Stick it on with Dave. St- big, big old Davo. He's he's into some weird shit. So maybe like this one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go for a quick break. Let's do. Uh, And now, on to... (laughs) (coughs) And now, on to our recommended film of the episode, 2019, Greener Grass, directed by Jocelyn DeBoer and Don Lube. I remember we had this problem the last time. Lube? Uh, Don Lube. Lube. Suburban soccer moms find themselves constantly competing against each other in their personal lives as their kids settle their differences on the field. Yeah, the first half of the description is correct. I don't know about the second half. The kids settle their differences on the field. It's already about that. That makes it sound like a soccer yeah, movie, it's but not, it's, not it's not at, not all. That at all. It's not that at all. It is a, it's a film that kind of is about the, the horrors and pressures and the absurdity of um, suburban soccer moms, I guess, or like suburban life as a whole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The categories, the need to live up the categories to fit into boxes. Yeah, the competition like of that when everyone is the same. Mm-hmm. So there has to be some form of competition and we live that competition through our children or through um, our houses and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a weird old fucking movie. It's a strange film, a very absurd, mm. absurd film. Um, kind of reminds me of But I'm a Cheerleader. I said that before. Yeah, we said that, but, yeah, because we'd watched it by the time the last episode happened, but... Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, it kind of reminds me of that, not just the colour scheme, but kind of the the approach. Yeah. Though But I'm a Cheerleader is, a, is obviously it's a very different film, uh, about different things, but the kind of... Uh, like hyper stylized um what's what's the word kind of fabulistic yeah you know it's like this is um it's this kind of like over exaggerated version of reality yeah hyper real you know so it's like, yeah like t- about two soccer moms who are trying to fit in despite the fact that they already fit in but they're trying to um they're constrained by these categories and these uh and these ideals that they have to live up to as, you know, yummy mummies in the suburbs and the things that they have to do. Trying and to be the alpha female. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying to outdo each other with these, like, stupid... Because they're so bored and they have nothing to do. Just trying to outdo each other with these, like, random um, 
pointless feats of like social um peacocking you know yeah yeah social peacocking yeah. that's definitely it. yeah that's definitely the term yeah because like definitely off the bat with the most striking thing about this film is um two things one is the the color scheme yeah where everything is like bright pinks and bright blues um like all the men wear blue well not all blue but they wear blue and pink mm. and then the women wear all pink and the grass and the greenery of the suburban landscape really pops as well mm-hmm. there's also a um a kind of hazy bloom to everything yeah like yeah. there's um i don't know what the exact term is but there's like a haze to this film mm-hmm. like the the camera is kind of like a smear of Vaseline over the camera kind of angle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which only makes the colors pop even further. The music um, doesn't match that, though, whatsoever. Like, at the start of the film, we have our main character. It's been fucking two weeks or three weeks since I've fucking seen this film. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to pull up the, the letterbox page here so I can get the names. Um, we have our main... Or basically, our two main characters... Um, Jill and Lisa, mm-hmm. and they're sitting beside each other at the soccer field. The kids are on the pitch, and um, Jill has had her recent child, and um, Lisa's like, "Oh, your baby's so cute." And Jill, because you know you try to be super nice and super giving when you're in a suburban landscape, it's like a fake sense of community mm. sort of thing. And um, she's like. Do you want her? Do you want um, Madeline or whatever whatever the baby's name is? Mm-hmm. And Lisa's like, yeah. And then there's like really horrifying music that plays over as Jill gives Lisa her baby. And now her baby is just Lisa's baby. And later on in the film, she's like, shit, I kind of regret doing that. I kind of regret doing that because now I have to really focus on my on my son, um, who's played by that kid that's in... Um, Hunting a Hill House and all that stuff. And and um fucking that kid's a little shit. Like he's not a little shit, he's just um He's just a normal kid. He's a normal kid. He's, he's, just, he's the only real person in the film. Yeah, and he's like not particularly good at anything, and because of that, she starts to become alienated. Julian. Julian. Yeah. What's the actor's name? I don't know. I know that fucking Ah, ah Julian Hillard. His name literally is Julian. Yeah, his name is literally. Yeah. So Julian. Played by Julian Hillard. Um, yeah, he's just a kid that's, like, not particularly good at anything. So, as a result of that, and that him being her only child, she starts to become and starts to feel really alienated um, by everyone around her. And as a result, starts to lose it a little bit. Like, starts to go a little bit fucking crazy. And um, the whole... But, like, her, like, kind of crazy, weird antics... Um, don't really feel that weird and crazy, except for everyone else's reaction around it. Yeah, yeah. Where they're just like, why are you acting like that? Like, why are you acting so fucking weird? Like Lisa later on in the film picks up um picks up a football and puts it underneath her dress and is like, I'm pregnant. And I was like, oh my god, congrats! And then she gives birth to the football and calls the kid Bert or whatever calls the football Bert uh-huh. and uh, everyone's like oh my god congratulations on your baby I'm so happy for you and uh, you know um, uh, 
it's Lisa and Jill is just like um now that you have Burke can I have uh, my baby back and she's like why would you say that <laughs> yeah 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 it's just it's 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 the reactions are all very uh I don't know counterintuitive mm. it's all very it's just extremely absurd film even when uh, yeah obviously Lisa has a football baby it's like an in in, in like an inanimate object um, and even when she gets Madeline, like the child of Jill, um, she only really wants the kid to have a kid. Mm-hmm. It's not the sense that she wants to have. She's just like, oh, she's like watching other kids play. She's like, oh, I wish I had a kid. And like that's kind of the ex- that's like the full extent of mm-hmm. her desire to bear a child, basically. Um, and even with Jill, when like they all like Jill and I think Nick is her husband. Yeah, they are. They don't like. Julian basically yeah because he's just he's like a normal kid and he's a bit of a dud you know he's not very good at anything um, and halfway through the film he turns into a dog <laughs> <laughs> but like that's that's like pretty like the for, like for me is like the clearest thing from the film um, or kind of like hints at where the you know the, the kind of the logic of the film or, or what like you know it shows how these characters kind of perceive themselves <clears throat> Because they see Julian as a big inconvenience mm-hmm. because he's not successful mm-hmm. and he's not like you know uh, this kid that they can show off to all the other parents and like as like a some kind of like like social proof of their own kind of uh, success worth. as parents. Yeah, their yeah. own worth. Um, and then once he turns into a dog, they suddenly love him. Yeah, because he's just a, he's just a pet, it's like a little thing that they can keep around, and he's always happy. He, he likes playing. Like uh, the dad even comments at one stage that. Um, that Julian is way better now as a dog. Yeah, he's actually cool now. I think yeah. he says something like, "Oh, he's, he's actually much, he's much better at uh, at baseball and stuff like that now because he knows yeah. to catch the ball, yeah, and yeah, bring yeah. it back." Uh huh. And that's that's the that's the extent of uh, it. Demonstrates their entire kind of um, like worldview um, to the extent that they have a worldview at all. It's just uh, even like the, the way that the camera is kind of hazy. It's like the, like the short sightedness. Of this little universe that yeah, we can see in the story, yeah, you know? yeah. it's like there's nothing beyond this little uh, community, this little estate that they live in. Um, they don't even care about their kids; they just want uh, a pet, basically. Yeah, that they can show off to the other pet owners, you know, uh, parents in the in the area, you know. Yeah, uh, and even like it's, I, I think that the haze still still stays there, but there's a bit where Jill leaves. She like has a complete breakdown. She, you know, even like um, like on the film, she's like, oh, like I'm kind of unhappy with Jillian, J- Julian now being a dog. Like she starts being like, I just want my son back. Um, but Nick loves it. And so she starts to have a disconnect with Nick and she's talking with all the all the other suburban yummy mummies saying like, I'm not really happy. And they're like, you should get a divorce. Like straight away be like, you should get a divorce. It's like, should I? And say, like, yeah, you should. Oh my God, you'd be so much happier if you get a divorce. So she immediately walks up to Nick and is like, I want a divorce. And, you know, going through a divorce, all that type of stuff. There's a whole breakdown. And uh, she leaves the suburb. And there's a bit where she interacts. She just knocks on um, a house that she used to live in. And the family that opened up the house are not like anyone else that has been in the film. Mm. They're like, oh my god, can I have your son? And she's like, no, go away. Yeah, it's like, yeah, oh, yeah. can I can I come in and look at the house and go to the toilet? It's like, no, you 
you can't do that uh-huh. that's really fucking weird uh please leave like they're the most normal people in the film yeah, yeah, yeah. it's the people that we interact with outside the suburban setting mm. um and yeah even like the way that they talk about um there's like a i don't know not like a serial killer but there's a killer on the loose mm. who um comes in like at one stage and like this constant like it's like this weird like um first person shots that you get throughout the film from the killer's perspective and, like this really like, heavy breathing and stuff like that but it just what it really emphasizes is this like undercurrent throughout the whole film of this like sinister edge to everything mm. and even like when jill is having a breakdown and stuff like that there's no support system around her whatsoever there's no one there to actually care for her there's no one there to look out for her or give her any actual advice mm-hmm. on what she needs to do. And, like, it doesn't work out for her in the end because she loses her house and stuff like that and has to move into Lisa's house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, she swaps gaffs with Lisa as well um, towards the end of the film, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, it's basically, it's portrayed as uh, Lisa and Bob, her hus- Lisa's husband, have basically replaced, or entirely replaced, uh, Jill and Nick. At the um, hierarchy. Yeah, yeah. Um, when I was reading about it, after I watched it, I even um, someone mentioned, or the, one of the reviewers mentioned that um, they actually change, they, they begin wearing the same clothes as oh, Jill and that. Nick wear at the start of the film. Didn't they ba- They swap outfits. Um, like, you, you know, the first... Was it the first kind of uh, scene where they're all all four of them are together, mm-hmm. and Jill and Nick start like kissing? It's really yeah. weird. No, yeah, it's um, Jill and Bob start kissing, and Lisa and Nick yeah, start kissing. Yeah, and they they don't realize they don't realize that they've swapped husbands and swapped wives. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because everyone's the fucking same essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then like when they switch back, Bob is like staring at Jill, and like, oh shit, like, uh, <laughs> whoops, whoops, I. Uh, Kind of wish I was with you instead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So everyone in this community is like totally replaceable. They're all kind of, and even like Jill as the main character is entirely driven by, uh, you know, extremely suggestive, um, or suggestible, gullible to whatever that is is put into her head yeah. by the people around her. Um, but they're, but they're totally like atomized. It's not a sense of like community and like a, in the sense that a normal person would understand it as like kind of a support base. Um. Where people interact and you know there's a space in between them that holds them all up. It's more like just random people who are totally interchangeable, but also completely separate. Yeah. At the same time, there actually there's no, um, there's no sense of togetherness or or community. Yeah. No sense. Yeah. No basic sense of community at all. It's all aesthetic. Yeah. All aesthetics, which is and the film itself is pure aesthetics. Pure aesthetics. Yeah. But it does. That, yeah. Because even like, it's such a fucking weird movie like the tone and vibe of this movie re- reminded me of something like the greasy strangler but like not yeah, 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 not yeah. to that level of discomfort uh-huh. um but that kind of absurdity is yeah, just like throughout the greasy strangler is actually it's pretty what i would have i was trying to reach out for mm. like uh, kind of like non or like kind of like anti-comedy sort of stuff but it is really funny like there are like actual yeah, jokes in uh-huh, the film uh-huh. Um, yeah, no, it's a weird one. Definitely a weird one. Uh, yeah, Greasy Strangler and, and Cheerleader. It's like a, it's like a mesh of those two. 
um like aesthetically he's close to the cheerleader but mm. like yeah definitely in terms of it like the spirit of it uh and kind of it's it's comedic style it's it's very yeah the yeah, like the anti comedy the greasy strangler is definitely there you know mm, yeah. yeah but but it is it's 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 more straightforward though at the same time instead of you know, Greasy Strangler, was, it, was, it was a bit too much for me. But. <laughs> I think it's a bit too much for me as well. <laughs> I was that film, like, why do you like that movie? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and even, like, um, there's loads of, like, just weird, funny little, like, motifs and, like, images in the film. Like, they don't have any cars. Mm. They drive around in golf carts. Yeah, Which yeah, just yeah. adds to the, like, this is not... This is not a place that anyone lives. Like, nowhere is a home. Mm. It's like a golf course. It's all very artificial. Yeah, yeah. All yeah. very artificial. Um, there's a bit where they... There's a, a T-junction, and it's a stop sign at every edge. Oh, yeah, So yeah, they yeah. all stop, and they're like, no, you go first, no, you go first, no, you go first. And um, at the end when Jill is like, I need, to, I need to go back to my family, and just goes straight through the stop sign. And I was like... Whoa! What are you doing? It's scandalous, <laughs> you doing? yeah. And everyone, and then everyone tries to go first, and then they all crash into each other. Um, just like stuff like that. And then even at the very end of the film, um, because you know all great films end where they started. Um, it um, it's revealed at the end, and no one really has noticed the fact that where the kids are playing soccer is uh on top of graves it's a graveyard yeah 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 and just that like image of you're playing on a graveyard and no one has noticed the fact like no and the jail even says like have you ever noticed that the kids are playing on graves and then it cuts back to it and now we can see the graves mm. and i was like yeah no it's fine like it's grand stories yeah it's, um there's no sense of continuity or you know there's no sense of the past or the present or the future, sorry. Mm. It's just, it's all about, it's all about putting on a decent show in the present. Yeah, it just is. Yeah, yeah. And it just is, it's aesthetic, it just is, it's weird, quirky, fucked up vibe. Mm. Um, Yeah, and I even think that like, um, even another thing, everyone has braces. Yeah, what's that about? I, I, I don't know. I didn't get that. I didn't know, I just think like everyone's, Aiming, for, aiming, or trying to be perfect. Yeah, but no one, no one actually is perfect. Everyone is trying to be perfect. Uh huh. Um, I imagine there's something like that, where everyone's trying to have the straight teeth, mm-hmm. perfect look. They're all in the midst of it, but no one has actually done that. That bit where she cuts at the braces, man. Yeah, that was. Oh, I actually, I actually had to. I remember that now. Yeah, oh. I had to turn away from that. I had to turn away that. I was like, oh fuck. Because I, I had, like I had braces, like oh fucking, I could feel the wire snap. I was like, Ugh. Oh. Ugh. yeah, yeah. So it's like bleeding. It's, just, it's like it's not gushing blood. It's just like enough that it's like it's like realistic. Yeah, really. It's just it's just off putting. Yeah. really off putting. It's like oh, I wouldn't, oh, I wouldn't want that to be me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Just a weird old film, like just a a film that certainly has a vibe, has an aesthetic. Mm. Um, and has like enough because like you, it's very obvious what the film is taking the piss out of like you don't mm. you don't have to read that deeply into it um, it's to, also it's quite it's like it's fairly it's not like a keeping up with the Joneses kind of thing you know mm, yeah. it's not like just like even the title Greener Grass it's not it's not like the grass is greener kind of thing where it's about one woman trying to uh, 
you know, one up, you know, her neighbor or whatever. It's more like uh, just the like it's like it, like the, the idea like the greener grass. You just like you just think of, like the lawn. Mm. It's not. It's 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 more the just the actual thing itself. It's not about the competition between them. It's just more the fact that the the broader kind of uh, the the scheme at work, like how these people just kind of operate. Yeah. Uh, rather than a sp- specific story about Jill versus Lisa, um, or something simple like that, which has already been done like many times before, it's, like a, it's a trope. This isn't. This is more of a play on the trope. Even the title is kind of a play on the trope. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. No. Hundred percent. Um, I'm only after remember now as well. This <laughs> the bit where <laughs> the bit where like she comes back home, and uh, the killer is in her house, but the killer isn't trying to kill her. The killer has just taken over her life. And it's just like, get out of my house. And it's like, this is my house. Like, oh, this is my house. Yeah. yeah I was like, yeah. I'm making a, I'm making breakfast. Or no, I'm making dinner. And just like, you're making eggs for dinner? And it's like, that's like a complete, like, that's a no-no. You have the eggs are for breakfast. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, even that the killer can't get into the the modus apparatus of, like, how this place works. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just constant stuff like that. Constantly throughout the film. Um, there's also the really funny, like, um, ads in the film. Like, what is that, uh, the baby food that is, isn't made by machines. It's just food that's eaten by other moms that is then spat into, into tubes. And then you give that to your child. Uh And it's like, machine, or mom's better than machines or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I remember that, yeah. You have the Bob, who is Lisa's son, who is... The biggest little shit ever. Um, watches like fifteen minutes of Kids with Knives, which is like some TV show in this world. Uh-huh. And Lisa freaks at Bob because Bob wasn't paying attention. He's like, "He Bob is watching Kids with Knives," and then he stands up. He's like, "Fuck you, ma'am. I'm go-. <laughs> whatever." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's <laughs> from that point on, he's a little shit. Uh-huh. Like it's just like the influence, like the pure influence of media uh, on the child. Is like that suburban mom fear that that's what would happen. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just like in every scene, every like everything that the film is doing is taking the piss or like uh, a complete satire on suburbia. Um, and as you said, even like the title itself is it's like the entire film is a satire on suburbia, but it's even a satire on the trope of a satire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. of mm-hmm. being about suburbia. Um, weird old film, like Strange weird, old. weird film. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's a film that like absurd. Yeah, it's pure, absurd. pure absurd film. I actually like really enjoyed the film, even though like I wasn't paying the most attention to the film because it was like, you know, it was one of those films where like you didn't have to a hundred percent focus on in order to get what the film was getting at. Yeah, yeah, yeah but I it is like. Yeah. It is like a good film. Uh huh. Yeah. No. Yeah. The message is very. You know. It's there from the. It's in the title. It's there from the beginning. You know. But it's. It's. It plays itself out very well. Mm. Mm-hmm, you know. It sees itself. It sees its its message out to the end. Yeah. Decent. Mm-hmm. Decent now film. Absolutely. Um. Yeah. So yeah. now now for, for my recommended yeah. film for the next episode will be Gates of Heaven. By Errol Morris, 1978 documentary about a pet cemetery 
um, which it's apparently not as dark as it seems. You know, it's not pet cemetery. It's it's about it's about people who run a pet cemetery. My it's da- about don't like de- pets passing away, but it's a po- it's not supposed to be depressing. I don't want it to be depressing. Yeah. So. I was gonna say my dog's pretty old, or he hope he doesn't die in the meantime. No, no, please God. <laughs> no, no. no Sam, Sam at least has another month, and I'm so okay. Sam, Sam's a sturdy old man. He's got it. He's got this. Yeah, um, that sounds good. Yeah, it's supposed, supposed to be a good film. So, so let's go with that. Mm. That sounds. I'm not gonna say banging. Heavenly. Heavenly. I just realized, Mark. Uh. Our fucking intros have been you're doing the intro the next episode to fix this uh they have worked in the way where whoever's recommended film it was did the intro yeah but because we had the guest on last week it's after fucking it up okay yeah yeah so you're introducing next week you, you just don't want to do the intro next week no i don't do the intro. <laughs> <laughs> i want to do that yeah yeah okay grant okay grant we'll talk to you lads okay you'll leave it there good night god bless bye